interested in how esports go down. Now, I'm not an esports player, but just watching it from where back in the day you had people playing in arcades and you'd walk up and you'd put a coin in to nowadays you yeah. have millions and millions of people watching. And, you know, also the social media aspect of gaming in general. You know, people always try to bring people together in gaming. So it's really cool to see like a combination of these two things uh, with Evolve, Evolve Labs, Evolve HQ. And I'm really happy today to be joined by Blair Rayburn. Thanks for coming uh, and talking with us today. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. So I guess let's start with, uh, you know, Evolve in, in, in its sense. Um, I checked out the site where you can log in, you can create groups, you can meet with other gamers, you can get together and play. Uh, for people that may not know about Evolve HQ, Evolve Labs, can you tell us about that? Sure. So Evolve Labs is the umbrella company, and we have um, three products, really. One is Evolve HQ, which is a downloadable client. It's currently only for Windows, but we do have a 2.0 client coming out for Windows and Mac, because there are a lot of um, gamers on the Mac platform. Uh, so that is a, basically a suite of tools that allows you to record your gameplay, to stream, to play games um, over virtual LAN. So I don't know how far back you go, but I used to play Master of Orion oh, and yes. Master of Orion 2. Nice. Games like that. Original StarCraft had a LAN mode. So we used to do the physical LAN where we'd all bring our computers, and, and that's not really feasible for a lot of us now. So it's got a virtual LAN adapter, so you can do all that stuff. Um, it has a lot of other functionality as well. Game tracking, which is pretty cool. And... Um, and an overlay, so particularly older games, emulated games or DOS games that you play in DOSBox or whatever, MAME games, I know you're big into that. So, you know, um, they're really not set up for multiple displays. And so by triggering the overlay, it's got a web browser, you could do chat, things of that sort. So we also have voice and text chat, and that's kind of table stakes, but in, in my experience of playing MMOs online, trying to coordinate voice and text chat was always a big uh, challenge. So I like having one unified toolbox, toolkit to use for gaming. So that's Evolve HQ, and that's free. Uh, the, the second thing we have is called Game Plan, and uh, you can find that at gameplan.evolvehq.com, and that came out of me getting older and having all this responsibility like a job and whatnot. I couldn't um, just be on my machine six hours a day or more playing EVE Online or Shadowbane or like all these MMOs that took a lot of time, Dark Age of Camelot. So like now... You can use game plan. You, you might be in a boring meeting at work and be like, oh, God, I can't wait for this meeting to be over. Get your phone out and say, hey, dude, do you want to play such and such a game at such and such a time? You want to play Rocket League tomorrow night at 8? And then your buddies will say, yeah. So that's game plan. And then the third one is Evolve Arenas. And Evolve Arenas allows you to play head-to-head -head competition against other people for very select games for cash prizes. And that's... The origin of that is really from my frustrations as a competitive gamer, whether it be, like you said, old school Street Fighter, someone puts a quarter on the uh, the arcade machine, to StarCraft II playing in brackets, to a lot of Magic the Gathering, like actual meat space tabletop tournaments where we have like Swiss or Double Limb or whatever, and just the long format of these bracket formats uh, dis uh, dissuades people from participating. And that kind of sucks. Like. Uh, I have a family now, and I have this full-time job, you know, doing the product management of this of this company, and we don't have a weekend for one single tournament. So this Evolve Arenas allows you to jump in, play a game, play as much as you want. The stakes are really low, like the entry fees are really low, and the prizes are really low, so it's not really, like, um, expensive to participate. And then when you're done, you're done. So Evolve Labs has three products. There's HQ, there's Game Plan, and then there's Arenas. So that's what we do. 
it's really interesting because I, th- you know, yes, I played lands back in the day, and it was uh, one of one of the big reasons why I knew a lot of people and ended up with the contacts I made was because I hooked up with a Red Eye Land party here in Miami, and it was interesting because. I met them through services back in the day like Duango, like Cali, like GameSpy. And, you know, those yep. were – you would just log in and you would see a list of games. You'd double-click. I mean, it didn't really have a lot of interaction, but some of them had lobbies and chat rooms and things like that. And nowadays you have, you know, so much social media. But it's really funny because you would think that everyone would have easy access to play games. But obviously you see that even with Facebook, Twitter, uh, you hear a lot of gamers saying, oh, I can't find people. I can't get together. Um, but at the same time, I've seen other like, you know, social media platforms for gaming, and I know that you guys go far beyond that. But what were some of the things that you, when you put together at least the HQ portion of it that you said, hey, you know, we're going to be able to do what other people haven't, and with having you know two million subscribers or close to that amount, you know, you obviously have done something right. Yeah, so that's a really good question, and I think because it's a productivity suite for gamers, we have a lot of. Um, a lot of adhesion so people come in like maybe they just want to track games at first people love doing that I was really surprised when I took on uh, this role how many people just care about their stats but they might get a game they might play single-player games a lot but then there's a multiplayer game that comes out that they really like but because mostly they play single they don't really have a lot of pals to play with online so People come in for different reasons, like streamers. We have a ton of people who stream. We have an, a grandfathered thing through uh, through Twitch and makes streaming really easy through our product. So they might come in for single player, but then jump into multiplayer or come in for streaming and be like, dude, I want to play um, you know, an old school game or I want to try playing Halo again or whatever. And so that community is sustained because there are other reasons to be. Whereas some of our competitors where they're just kind of a social graph for gamers, they're like, well, why do I need another Facebook or why do I need, you know, there are a lot of other services out there and they do that part really well, but they don't have the tools that we have. Um, it's more of a context too, right? So like if you have a reason to be on Evolve to for some other, like re- doing a screen recording for a Let's Play, we have a lot of people use it for Minecraft Let's Plays and stuff or Unturned. And they're like, dude, well, now I want to find another person to play Minecraft with. They can just go to matchmaking and find someone and create a virtual LAN and then start playing. It's really super simple. I'm curious that, you know, with your knowledge and, and background and you've seen the changes in gaming, you know, obviously being the chief product officer at Evolve Labs, you, you know, have information of all these things that's been created. Did you see, like, how, I guess, gamers would want to connect and be able to eventually get to the point where you could actually come together, play against each other? I mean, the social media aspect, did you see that was going to come together, even though you often see, like, at least back in the day, first gamers were kind of shunned, and then now today you kind of have a mixture between gamers want to get together, but we also want to tear each other apart. So it's like it's yeah. kind of funny, the community that we're trying to build, but there's all these things attacking us. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think also that has a lot to deal with um, the games that people play. What's really interesting is uh, Halo Online was used, there's a uh, kind of a gray market um, version of Halo that came out and people were using our service for a while to play it and anytime you have a first person shooter, Star Wars Battlefront is a legacy game that we support and a lot of people use our land for that. Uh, that tends to be hyper competitive and even if it's aggressive um, with your friends, it's kind of, um, I wouldn't say it's hostile, but there's a lot of smack talking that goes on and just due to the nature of the game, it tends to be a little more aggressive. Whereas with Unturned or Gary's Mod, games that might be more collaborative, you see that less. And so I don't think there's a contradiction at all. I think um, humans are complex by nature 
And as a gamer, sometimes I would want to play total guild versus guild game like Shadowbane, which is now defunct, but it was full-on raid and you attempted to destroy everything that someone had spent a long time building or Eve. I used to play Eve online a lot and that's like total destruction and to the point where like, wow, that just took me so long to get these resources and now it's destroyed. All the way up to, we, we play fi Family Minecraft. I'm playing The Forest right now with my friends, so we're duking it out with all these like um, cannibals and stuff. And I'm still the same gamer, but some days I want more aggressive, and some days I want more collaborative, and some days I just want relaxed, like Rocket League, which I think is um, a great game for casual gamers or semi-casual gamers. So I don't know if I, that answered your question, but I feel like it's not. Um, there's not really a dichotomy in the gaming culture as much as that certain days you might want to play uh, one kind of game and other days another. And I think that's the best part about modern gaming is that we have a huge amount of choice right now. And so there's always a game for everybody. It's funny because one of the things that was hotly contested a little while ago was talking about esports being on like ESPN, and you even had you know Colin Cowherd make all these uh, you know attacks and using that same old language about oh these people are in their mother's basement and making fun of it. Where it's funny because I love sports too, so I yep. listen to these people and it's so funny because they talk the same way as gamers. You know when yep. you hear them talking about fantasy leagues, they sound just like a gamer. You can replace you know their draft pick or, or the running back with who we're talking about in a video game. And it's kind of interesting because I have seen places talk about having this competitive nature where you can actually, you know, bet with real money, which is something new. And then you have like esports in it. Can you just talk about how does that come together? Because of course you're going to have some people that's going to say, oh, that sounds cool. But then you're going to have mm -hmm. skeptical people. But then you have DraftKings and things like that where you can do that kind yeah. of betting. So can you just explain so, so people get more of an idea of how that works? Sure. So you touched on a lot of things, and something that's really important to me is busting a stereotype of the gamer. Um, I saw that you were at a hockey game, so I'm a wild fan. I'm sorry, um, but you know, um, we also love physical sports. And one of my favorite StarCraft II players is also an MMA fighter. His name is Nick Lentz. He used to live here in Minnesota, and he's since moved. Um, Gordon Hayward is a huge League of Legends fan. Dude plays for Utah Jazz. He just broke his foot, so I hope he has a good recovery. But I think it's important for people to to see that you can be physically active or play a, like a physical sport and still be a gamer. There are people who are successful. We don't all live in our mom's basement. I love my mom's. I'd love to live in her basement again, but <laughs> it's not like that anymore. And I think it's really important for, for people to see uh, who's gaming. You know, that, that widens. I think conversely, as physical sports borrow some of our language or they, they look at some of the intensity we have, you see esports borrowing from physical sports. So like all the jerseys and sponsorships that, you know, maybe your League of Legends or Dota 2 players or StarCraft 2 teams, like they all have logos all over them, dude. They got their own jerseys. And so there's a lot of crossover because there is that familiarity. There is that, um, that cross-discipline appreciation of things. And I also... This is going to sound mean, but all those people who are just straight up haters, they're getting older and they're going to die off. So I'm not super concerned about changing their minds. I just think it's good to have um, lots of different people playing games. And so we kind of break those stereotypes down. Now, the second thing you mentioned was in regards to how um, esports are becoming more mainstream and how people are, are adapting their their modern or physical sports behavior to esports behavior. And tournaments is obviously one thing. Um, televised events is another. So I've been playing in tournaments for video games and for tabletop games for a very long time, 20 
plus years, right? But it was always kind of like uh, underground. And now they're getting televised. You can buy streaming packages. I'm an MLG subscriber for a long time and watching all those tournaments. Um, the production value on a League of Legends tournament is crazy. Yeah. It's It looks just as good, if not better, than some of the, um, the pre and post game analysis you might see with professional sports. So as that is going up, it attracts people who aren't necessarily gamers, but they're interested in competition. And you mentioned betting. And that's kind of one thing that... Um, we know it. We know it happens with daily fantasy sports. We know there is betting on esports. That's not really what our platform is for. It's built by gamers for gamers to compete directly against each other. But you see very popular services, uh, DFS, daily fantasy um, sports like DraftKings or uh, uh, FanDuel, picking up that esports model. So it's very interesting. I think, you know, going back to my earlier statement, there's plenty of room in this world for all sorts of people to get into gaming and. I think those people are more into competition, no matter what it might be. Like if they saw two dump trucks drag racing, they'd be like, I got $5 on the one on the right. And so, but that's all right. You know, maybe that'll encourage them to play games. Maybe they see games and they want to play them. And so there's that. But for, for our services, particularly for Evolve Arenas, that's really for gamers and direct head-to-head competition. So um, it's just a big world out there. And it's interesting because with the arenas, you know, it's not like you have to come in there and, and drop a lot of money, but it, it gives you a chance to have that tournament atmosphere without, you know, having to go through everything else. Because, I mean, like like in your name, Evolve, it's you have esports that have evolved to a point where they're in arenas and millions of people are watching on Twitch, you know, thousands of people are sitting in line. But there's people that maybe they're not up to that level or maybe they don't want to do that kind of tournament, but then they can compete in tournaments, you know, like you do online, but this time you can actually go a little bit further. Can you talk a little bit more to that? Sure. So what we do is we don't have brackets, and so people compete in real time head-to-head. And with all the games we support, we um, do fair matchmaking. So you'll be ranked or you'll be matched up against people of relatively equal rank. So one of the problems I had with StarCraft uh, two tournaments is that you know, in order to get enough participants, you might be ranked against someone who's far better than you, and you might be matched against them, and you get eliminated. Or in Magic: The Gathering, um, we would do Swiss, and so you play all sorts of people whose DCI um, records were much better than yours, and that can be damaging to a person, right? Like if you prep and you you play a lot of games and you get ready and you just get annihilated, you may not want to go through that again. Right. And if you add that plus the the time commitment. For these longer bracket tournaments, it's just it becomes um, really prohibitive. Whereas with arenas, particularly uh, Rocketeer, which is our our Rocket League product, you come in, we find your rank, we match you against people of equal skills, plus or minus 100 rank points, which is is pretty close, and then you just you just start playing. And like you said, the entry fees are really low. It's a quarter a game, so it's it's and that's on purpose. It's that exact feeling of putting a quarter on a on an old game in an arcade, but um, super low barrier to entry. But it's still enough to make it interesting, and it lets people experiment with playing competitively for prizes, whether it be cash or product or whatever or um, skins, like a lot of the CS:GO stuff. So it just gives people an opportunity to participate in that tournament environment from their own home with a limited amount of time, a little bit, a little bit of money, and have some fun. Now you working in the industry, did you see that esports would eventually get to this point where 
you know, they're on ESPN and where millions and millions of people are watching them. And it's not, it doesn't look like it's going, getting slower. It's getting bigger. And now where back in the day you had a few companies come in and say, hey, I'm going to put up a purse or something. Now you yep. have a gigantic company saying, hey, you know, maybe we should really get into this. And soon it's going to be right up there. I mean, I, I think that eventually it will be up there with sports, regardless of people who still want to, you know, talk about it in a negative way. But it, it's moving forward. Did you ever did you see that coming that it was going to be this big? So as far as the pro scene, um, I cheated because since I played StarCraft so much, I got to see Brood War and how popular it was in Korea. And so I knew that the potential was there if the, the social environment was conducive to recognizing the skill it takes to play video games. And, and that's really what it is. Like if you, it is a skill sport and it's not, you know, people look at other sports and everyone hates on everybody else's sport, but video games require a ton of skill, both cognitive skill and physical skill and agility. And I just knew it was a matter of time for the pro level to really get to the state where it is now. The, the thing that I'm particularly interested in and, I, and I'm really hopeful for is kind of that pro-am or pro-amateur gaming that we're seeing now where you may not be uh, going on ESPN or you may not be getting broadcast on LCS or whatever, but you're still competitive enough that people would watch you. And that's why I think streaming services are really cool, like Twitch and Hitbox and things like that. So people can watch someone play, and maybe they're only halfway up that ladder, but their gameplay is still interesting. And maybe they're an interesting personality, but due to uh, time or ability, maybe they can't become a pro player, but they still have merit, entertainment value, and you can learn from them. And that's super cool because some dude, some dude in his mama's basement might have some awesome built strat and changes pro gaming. Like that's very feasible. It could happen um, versus people who are pro athletes and they're in a house and they have managers and they have analysts and they have strategists and then they go play for the Dota 2 championship. Like we can't all be those people. My wife would be really mad if I moved out and moved into a gamer house. So there's that's what I'm looking forward to. And that's why I have no idea how big it's going to get. The pro stuff I could see due to Brood War, but kind of this pro amateur level, that's the part I'm really excited about. So we'll see how that goes. And even in just the, the Let's Play, like you said, um, you know, with the HQ, you said you have tools that people can take advantage of to help with that. I mean, that's something big. And it's funny because, again, you have some people saying, and this is more coming from within the gaming community, and they're like, Man, who wants to sit there watching someone else play when you could be playing? And it's like, wow, do you guys not know the history of gaming? How many people used to stand behind people in arcades and yep. watch them play? How many people would go over to your friend's house and watch someone play? Sure, you would eventually play. It's not like your entire day was wa spent watching, uh, but you wanted to watch, especially if someone was playing well or someone had a personality that you liked. So, I mean, having the tools and, and seeing that blow up today with so many different channels that have these Let's Play, I, I think it was a no-brainer. Yeah, for sure. And I also just think um, the, the transfer of knowledge is really cool. Um, you know, I mentioned the forest earlier. My friend and I are playing a multiplayer game, and he's got a day job, so he can't play during the day. But he watches all these Let's Plays, and he's like, hey, today we're going to build this crazy structure. And I'm like, that's never going to work. He's like, don't worry. I saw this dude do it, and I know how it's going to work. There's a glitch in the game where you can build a raft on the ground and then push it around to carry a bunch of cargo around. And he's like, I saw this. We're going to do it. And I was like, okay, man. And so we did it. It was awesome. It's just silly. You know, like it goes back to just having fun. And sometimes gaming is competitive and sometimes it's fun. And thanks to this community that we have that's generating all this content basically for free and on demand, you can learn a ton of stuff about the game that you already love. It's really cool. I really love it. The Let's Play stuff, um, when I first heard about it, I was like, same thing. I was like, man, who wants to watch a 10-year-old kid play Minecraft for four hours? And then I was like, 
how do I build this? And then I watched a kid play Minecraft for four hours. It was pretty cool. It's fun. So, as far as your, because we like, we started out with classic gaming. We did a lot of reviews, and we love like the old school type games. And I also like like the old school MMOs. I remember playing EverQuest and things like that. When you mentioned Dark Age of Camelot, I was like, wow, because I remember when that came out, and people were like, that's gonna be the EQ killer. That's yep. gonna destroy everything. And it was really funny because one of the things I noticed like right away when it came out, I'm like, wait a minute. If EverQuest, I think at the time, it, it switched from 9.99 to 12.99, and people were angry at that. They're like, what? I can't pay this more. And then Dark Age came out. Uh, Camelot came out, and I was like, man, now someone has to either have two subscriptions or they're going to have to drop one for the other. Then you had, like, Conan. You had uh, yep. City of Heroes. Of course, yeah. Warcraft came out. So it's like yep. I can almost see in the future, like, man, something's going to have to change. And, of course, uh, Free-to-Play came along. Could you just tell us a little bit about your gaming history, you know, like how you started and, like, came up? And, of course, like you mentioned, you did pro gaming too. Can you just tell us a little bit of that? Yeah, for sure. So um, my father, I I'm from the I'm from the Plain States, and uh, my father was big on on gaming. He said, you know, you can learn a lot about someone by how they play a game, how they win, and how they lose. And so from an early age, he encouraged me to play all kinds of games: physical games, tabletop games, and and video games. And um, I was born in the '70s, and so it was kind of a cool thing for my dad, who's like super macho, to be like, "Dude, let's let's play some uh, combat on the Atari 2600." So I grew up um, with a controller in my hand, playing games with other people, or even my family. So from there, uh, if I was good and did all my chores on the farm, we'd go out to an arcade, and my dad and I would take 20 bucks and we'd play games. And sometimes they'd be competitive, and sometimes they'd be collaborative. I don't know if you ever played Xenophobe, but it was a four-person. Oh man, love that game. My dad's like, duck, and I would never duck, and I'd die. Um, so, and that and that introduced me to competitive gaming for the first time against people I didn't know. I might be playing, um, you know, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, the original, um, all kinds of games, and people come up and put that quarter on on the stand up. And uh, that was great. I was competing in physical sports, and I was competing in what now is an eSport, right? But uh, that's how I got started. So from there, uh, did a fair amount of, of very early gaming on the Macintosh. I used to play um, Marathon, which is the precursor to Halo. It's kind of that same environment. And we would land game it, and it was great. Migrated from there into StarCraft. And, uh, oh, did I lose you? No, I'm still here. All right, your videos, your video froze. I was like, man, I bored him to death. <laughs> no. Uh, so, and then that introduced me to land gaming, which is hilarious that the Macintosh introduced me to land gaming because we think of as Macs as for designers, and we don't really think of them as gaming machines. But that's how I got my start in kind of desktop gaming, and from there moved directly into StarCraft, Brood War, EverQuest, like you mentioned, and then I hit a lot of MMOs, um, and then I hit a lot of first-person shooters. There's a moment in my in my life and my career where I couldn't build and maintain my own desktop machine. So then I did a lot of console gaming, played a lot of Call of Duty, um, played uh, just a lot of kind of uh, games on the 360, and then transitioned back into PC gaming. Got back in MMOs, and uh, and now I'm just doing straight up PC gaming again. I play a lot of League of Legends. I play a lot of uh, Rocket League, and then a lot of collaborative games, like I said, Minecraft and the Forest. So I don't know. I that's the thing, man. You, anyone who pigeonholes themselves as a console gamer or a Windows gamer or whatever, tabletop gamer, you just lose in a big part of the world. There's there's a lot of fun out there, and each platform has its advantages and disadvantages. And I just, I don't know, I, I guess growing up and seeing all these things come 
come into being has really helped me stay multifaceted in the types of games that I play. So I don't know. It's good. I've, like I said, I, I did a pretty long stint with MMOs and just the cost effectiveness of it. You know, I, I would pay for a subscription on EVE Online, but there was no other game at the time where I got so much gaming value for my dollar and also got to experience people from all over the world. I flew with a, an alliance that had people from all over the world and we'd be sitting by a gate waiting for a bad guy to come through. And you would hear people talking in Russian. You would hear people talking in American English, UK English. Um, and then just the coordination and that, that community for people I never met and um, making friends that way. It's just super awesome. So I don't know, long history, a lot of games. And I also play a lot of physical games, a lot of tabletop games. I saw you tweeted um, Exploding Kittens, which is a, it's a family favorite over here. We love that game. Oh yeah, and and that's the thing. The there's uh, tabletop games have made like a, a resurgence. I mean, I've seen shows like on Geek and Sundry where they have that, mm -hmm. and other people. That's like I'm like wow. You know, I didn't get that big into tabletop games. I played a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons, but then you know I saw like the BattleTech game and things like that. So I mean, with you guys, there's even room for the tabletop gamers to come in and find something. That's a secret. <laughs> but my, my goal is to use game plan to schedule tabletop games. So uh, every Sunday we have people come over to, to our house and we make crazy hamburgers and stuff and then we play board games. and um, We play Zombicide a lot, which is super cool. I don't know if you've ever played it, but it's a great game. But that requires just as much coordination as a video game. So that's one thing that we're trying to do. We haven't really figured out how to add game tracking to a meat space game. Mm -hmm. And we don't even know if that's important or not, but our whole architecture is built around game tracking and game identification. And so really not sure how we're going to solve that puzzle yet, but it's something I've been working on for the last 18 months. And just that's another great thing is just the, the opportunity when you, you know, join in a group with other gamers, especially so many, you'll see games that maybe you're not exposed to. I mean, there's so many games, but a lot of times gamers end up locked into a couple of games. Like you'll go to someone's house and they may have 50 games, but you're like, wow, like, Seven of those are sequels, <laughs> you know. You have like a, a, you know, five or six Call of Duties in there or something like that. So the more that you expand and the more that you're able to interact with other gamers, that you get to learn more and you see more. And, and, and services like yours helps with that. Now, let's say someone saw this and they're like, okay, I'm interested. You know, the arena sounds cool. The HQ sounds cool. Like, where would a person go to get started? Sure, great question. So, if you're interested in the desktop product, which is Evolve HQ, you can go to evolvehq.com. Uh, right now, the stable uh, 1.0 version, which has the most features, that's Windows only, but we do have an open beta, which, which they're both free, uh, 1.0 and the 2.0 beta. Beta is for Windows and Macintosh, Mac OS X, and you can find that at EvolveHQ.com. Uh, Evolve Arenas can be found at EvolveArenas.com. Uh, we're currently supporting two games. One is Rocket League and the other is League of Legends. Rocket League, we have a special site just for that. It's called rocketeer.gg, and you can go there, and right now you can sign up, link your Steam account, play for $0.25 cents for an entry fee, and uh, you get the winnings. So if you're, if you're ready to jump in and play 1v1 competitive Rocket League against people of similar skill, go to rocketeer.gg, and we're working on League of Legends. That's going to come out fairly soon because it's my other favorite game right now. Um, so those are the two places, and then you know the umbrella companies EvolveLabs.com, uh, and that's the type of there, you can go there for just company news. So if you're interested in uh, working with us, either as a developer or as potentially as an employee, you can certainly go there and reach out to us. 
Awesome. Well, I mean, Blair, it was really great talking with you, and I hope that, you know, maybe in the future you come back, we can talk about other things, because I love talking about classic gaming, I love talking about modern gaming, and of course, esports and all this, the community, so that'd be great to talk again in the future, but thanks for coming on today and talking with us. I really appreciate your time, especially on a Friday, and uh, thank you very much for having us on. I'd love to talk with you again, particularly about how we might make uh, classic games into their own real-time instant tournaments, which is my next, my next secret project. So I would love to come back and chat with you some more. Oh, that'd be great because there's so many classic gamers. I mean, I know a lot of people that are involved with Twin Galaxies and the other scoreboard places. And I mean, there's so many classic gamers that still want to come back and play. There's even that little war of, oh, back in the day, it used to be really hard to beat a game. You guys have it right. easy nowadays. So I yep. mean, seeing classic gaming being represented in any form, especially on a good platform, is great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.